welcome to Mostly Max and Other Things. I am the aforementioned Max. Welcome to another week of this thing here. And, and, let's get into it. New York has legal weed as of today, Wednesday the 31st. 420 finna be lit, guys. Um, Some of the parts of the law have gone into effect. We also know that the reason why... Big Nose McGee up in Albany um, signed off on a lot of actually good concessions in this law um, is because, you know, it's been a parade of women coming out uh, to accuse him of being gross and and just gross with them. And we're up to 10 victims now. So now why not? Why not give the people some Chiba? <laughs> Well, it's good. I, I'm I'm happy with the fact that forty percent of the the uh the cut of the taxes that comes out of this is gonna go to communities who've been uh getting the shit end of the stick in terms of uh over over enforcement of laws around marijuana. And I do like that. Um there's gonna be more of a tiered approach so folks who have been shitted on can get into the uh, marijuana racket and get to the shmoney. Um, of course, the corporate dudes are already ready. They already had their doors open for medical marijuana. Now they could just flip to retail marijuana and keep getting the long money that they was already getting. But yeah, finally. So, you know, smoke away, kids. You can have plants. You can have up to six plants in your house if that's a thing that you like. Um... I'm not doing any of that because I don't, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, New York has that chiba chiba, y'all, on the legal tip. So, hooray! Um, Cuomo still got to pack his shit and go though. But yeah, I'm glad that there is a social justice component to it that gets folks who were binged because of moving small amounts of weight or whatever else gets their records expunged. So um, I hope those folks get to be able to partake in this long coin. I have to do a little bit more reading about it. But yeah, just passed today, just passed yesterday, got signed today by Big Nose McGee. So legal chiba, y'all. Um, we'll see what this money actually goes to because, um, you know, people be talking. Any there? that's that on that. Um, also, also, and other good news, the New York City Council has removed protection from the NYPD, um, basically removed qualified immunity from them so they can be sued as individuals in civil court cases. So maybe the taxpayer doesn't have to pay the families of the people that they've murdered and wounded and terrorized and then ain't shit to. So it's the beginnings of some fucking um, goddamn consequences for their actions. And I'm into it. I'm into it very much. I, I, I am looking forward to a massive amounts of suits hitting the calendars of these courts to getting into the direct pockets of these motherfucking cops who think they're God and want to run the streets and bash heads and do what they want with impunity. Come off them coins, your coins, not the union's coins, not my coins, your coins. I'm into it. Um, 
in less good news. Um, the trial of George Floyd's murderer began this week, and I have been avoiding it mostly. Um, the little bit that I've seen of the testimony of the folks who were witnesses, and there were many, um, I've seen some of it, and it's all very compa- very compelling, but also very triggering. Um, I watched a bit of um, the testimony of the young sister who recorded the video that everyone's seen, which I have not seen and don't ever plan to see. Um, and uh, it was not easy to listen to um, her talk about it. And I think one of the worst things about it is the trauma that is inflicted on those those of us who have to listen to it, to the folks who had to witness it. And the other horrible thing about it is the guilt that they all feel, that they felt powerless in that situation caused by a grown man who very, very clearly knew what he was doing and very, 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 very much wanted you to know that he was going to murder this man. One of the things that came out um, that has blown my mind again was that what we were seeing was the eight minutes and 46 seconds. But in reality, that went on for almost 10 minutes. It was actually nine minutes and 29 seconds of this monster fucking ghoul sitting on this man's neck like he wasn't a human person in front of all these people, just as bold as day in front of God and everyone the fuck else, just squeezing the life out of him with nary a fuck to give. And now his defense wants to tap dance around just being a fucking murderer by basically, as they do always, blaming the victim, bringing up his past drug use, bringing up, you know, you know how they do it. They they put the person who's been murdered on trial and talking about, oh, it couldn't be that I squeezed the life out of this man by sitting on his fucking neck for almost two, excuse me, 10 motherfucking minutes. It's not that. It's underlying health conditions. The fact that he had addiction issues and all this other assorted fuck shit that they're going to dig out and try to point to it as gospel as if everybody's motherfucking eyeballs didn't work. As if all those people, all those children, those underage children who came and sat on that motherfucking, um, in front of that goddamn jewelry, jewelry, jury and said what they saw didn't see what they saw it just it's mind-blowing the fact that they they charge money with unintentional murder that's 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 a knife in the fucking gut isn't it you unintentionally sat on his neck for almost 10 minutes all right if they do what they normally do around this case and after all these weeks and all this testimony and a jury comes back because half the jury's white. The jury comes back saying that this man is not guilty. If folks go outside and knock down every fucking building in this bitch, it'll be warranted. It'll all, it'll be deserved because nothing plenty of people could not avoid seeing this man murder George Floyd for the eight minutes that we did see. For anything other than super guilty, take your ass to jail, um, go die there. 
if that's not the response, then whatever happens, happens, B, because people are tired and they showed that all of last summer. And even folks who don't normally get involved got involved because they could not look away because we were all in the house and we couldn't avoid it. Hopefully we'll see something different this time, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Any hooser. Um, and other things. I've been watching the real world homecoming um, episodes on Paramount Plus. And it is um, wild that people are still having the same discussions and some folks haven't grown where poor Kevin still got to suffer fools in the 20 and the 21. I think they recorded it in 2020, right? No, 2021. And that girl, Becky, boy, she lived up to her name because she's still not listening, wanting to cultivate some kind of fragile victimhood over people calling a thing a thing. But what really got to her was the fact that while she wasn't listening to Kevin again, like when they, you know, revisited their old conversations about white supremacy and you know, privilege and all that sort of thing. She did not listen to one word that man said um, almost 30 years ago, and she surely did not listen to a goddamn thing that that, that man said to her <laughs> today, basically. But what she didn't bank on was the fact that all the folks that jumped to her aid last time would have grown and had children and had exposure and done the reading and had eyeballs that work and ears that work and aren't on that same shit that they were on 30 motherfucking years ago would not come to her aid and cape for her, especially Norman, who was her ace. And man's at a point just was like, look, I'm trying to save you. This shit's going to air and bitches are going to run you into the ground. He was like, yo, I see a Karen just forming, forming in front of my eyes. And I, and I just had to get her the fucking shit together. And he told her to shut the fuck up and she did not appreciate that shit so what did she do in her fragile state saying that she felt that she was set up and that kevin was trying to use her to make a point in all her fragile white womanhood and she was like well none of this is real i'm out when in reality it was a little bit too real and everybody was like girl pay attention and listen to what he's trying to tell you again. And she just was like, nah, fuck that. Packed her shit and left. And um, I guess she's going to show up because she ain't go home because, of course, she didn't because she's really trying to promote herself and her little music thing just like she did before. But the gag of it was she was going on and on about how she moved to France and she traveled all around Europe and she had done all this stuff and she knows all the things and la 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 and then Kevin was just like girl you are still complicit in all of this <laughs> and what we are looking at and what we are seeing and you still have some responsibility and he she was not trying to hear that shit okay and her fragile ass packed her plastics and got the fuck on okay and she was upset told told norman their friendship is basically over and he don't she don't fuck with him no more and all this type of thing a mess child a fucking mess but it's been interesting to watch it, it felt like um undergrad all over again watching um this blanquita try to uh 
slither her way out of having a real conversation about whiteness. And, you know, she she got her white woman tears popping fresh and nobody was fucking buying it. And it was wonderful to see. It was great to see that growth for everybody else except for Becky. Um, and, you know, having them all come together and just kind of vibe. Um, it, it's been interesting to watch. So that's a thing. She was so prototypical. Oh, she she really, really white womaned on a very, very high level in that moment. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, let's see. Oh, little Nas X's new video. Um, from Montero, call me by your name. I like how um he basically flipped the whole premise of you know, ah, you gays, you're gonna go to jail, you're gonna go to hell, and la la la, uh, if you don't stop sucking those dicks and eating those choches, mm. and I like how he just flipped the whole shit, okay, I'll go, on a stripper pole to hell, <laughs> in my finest braided lace front, with my sexy patent leather, over the knee boots, bitch, you will fucking gag, and you know what, I lived for all of it, I love how free he is, I love how I love how his responses to it all, though. Like, everybody's like, what about the children? You know, that fake fucking shit that they always pull out only for Cardi B, only for um, for uh, for Megan, and only for Little Nas X. Oh, what about the children? Your children shouldn't be seeing you, seeing you talk about WEP. Nah, your children that belong to you, that you have control over, shouldn't see it probably. Maybe you should make sure they don't because those are your kids. And the most of the time, the people talking this shit don't, don't even have no fucking kids. They just fucking want to fucking spray bullshit on the walls because of their homophobia and their hatred of women owning their bodies and their sexuality and this fake piousness that comes up. Y'all bitches out here cheating every fucking Saturday and sitting in somebody's church on Sunday lying to, to yourself and everybody else. Get the fuck out of here with your bullshit. Nobody's interested. Fucking losers. Um, but his responses have been amazing. He was like, blame yourself. Ooh, I can't have my children listen to Old Town Road anymore. He was like, um, I'm rapping about lean and titties. Have you paid attention to the song at all? Maybe your kids shouldn't have been listening to that either. <laughs> and the trolling, the trolling is top tier. Listen, these kids have been raised on the internet, all right? Y'all don't have the range to rumble with these babies. You just don't. He was a barb. And all those children did was sit on the internet and snipe and be sassy. <laughs> so you think you're going to fucking rumble with him? Bless your heart. Best of luck to you all. You don't have the range. It's like watching um, Ted Cruz try AOC all the time and get his, his slapped in his jowls every time. It's the same shit with Lil Nas X and all these dummies coming for him. Um, um, the, the, the full cackle, though, was his um, collaboration with this outfit in Brooklyn that made some on-themed... Uh, Air Maxes. I think they're Air Max 97s or something like that with like, you know, a drop of blood in it and like in the bubble and all this fucking extra ass shit to go along with the video and everything else. And Nike was like, nah, uh, uh. 
Best of luck to all of them, okay? Because Nike's about that IP life right now. Uh, Mind you, they did do a Jesus sneaker. That wasn't the problem for Nike. It was the Satan sneaker that made it hot. Because everybody was like, Nike, how could you? I can't buy Jordans no more. Man, shut up. Y'all motherfuckers ain't gonna have a fucking bonfire for all that expensive-ass shit y'all bought. Y'all just, people just be talking, I swear. But anyway, Nike was like, nah, bitch. We going to court. (laughs) I hope everybody's lawyers are paid the fuck up because they probably have a case, I'm thinking. Best of luck to everyone involved. But kudos on that video, though. I I really enjoyed it. And I just just enjoy little Nas X in general. He's just such a breath of fresh air. And I just love, love, love the trolling. I just enjoy it. And I love how mad it makes everyone. It's fun to watch. It really is. Uh, protect that little baby at all costs. I enjoy him so much. Any hooser, that's it for the stuff I be talking about at the beginning of the show. <laughs> this week on the podcast, I spoke to um, Jerry Barrow, OG entertainment reporter. Um, if there's a rapper you like, he probably spoke to him. If there's an actor or actress you like, he's probably spoke to them too. And he's been in the game for a very long time. And he has uh, pivoted into um, podcasting. He has a great podcast called Fathers Who Bother. And it is super fucking cool. He talks to all these hard rock ass rappers about fatherhood and, you know, raising children and, you know, how their lives have been changed. And it's such a very cool kind of thing. Because, you know, you don't really see that kind of thing too often. I mean, yeah, there's other like fatherhood um you know, uh, podcasts and stuff like that out there. But it's so fun to, like, listen to, like, these cats who are, like, you know, the finest of, you know, underground or backpack rappers or whatever, or these hard rocks just talking about how their babies just have them wrapped up. So it was a fun conversation. We talked about the state of journalism right now and just the media landscape in general and a whole bunch of other shit. <laughs> um it was a very fun conversation, and um, I hope you guys enjoy it. And it's coming up in two seconds. Today on the podcast, I have OG entertainment writer for such outlets as BT, The Source, and Scratch Magazine, the creator of and the host of the Fathers Who Bother podcast a lover of a body joke, and my alpha sands, Jerry Barrow. Welcome to Mostly Max and Other Things. <laughs> What's up, Sands? How are you? How are you? Good. How are you? <sighs> it's hump day, and I'm just trying to get over the hump right now. Amen. That's, that's Amen. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot going on in the world right now. It's so weird Oof. because we're all sitting in the house, and it's everything is still absolute shit. We don't. You're not absolute. Shit. Like, <laughs> all righty. So let's get into the most, it. the absolute yes. most. <laughs> so, mm. first question: What do yes. you do, and why do you do it? Okay, I am currently a podcaster. I like to say I'm a storyteller because that encompasses everything. I'm, like I'm a career writer. I've been writing for magazines and websites, doing interviews and reviews for over twenty years. Currently, I host and produce and 
damn everything <laughs> for my podcast, Fathers Who Bothered, that I launched last Father's Day. Which is really and, dope, uh, by it, the way. You should check it out, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So it was a passion project that I finally had the time to pursue after becoming a COVID casualty from BET. Mm. Um, I was for the last three years, I was the entertainment editor there and they gave me the call. It was crazy. I was literally on the phone with Gina Prince Brythewood um, to talk about the 20th anniversary of love and basketball. And my boss at the time <laughs> calls me, hey, we need to talk. I'm like, okay, I'm on the phone with Gina prince Bryce. Can I call you back? Yeah, call me when you're done with the interview. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I get on the call. And I'm like, hey, so what's up? So yeah, due to COVID-19, blah, 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 blah. And then it just became Charlie Brown's teacher. Womp, 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 womp. I was like, so yeah, your last day will be. And I was like, oh. Yeah, same thing so happened this, to me. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much, yeah. I was working so, at, a, at a nonprofit, and they were kind of like, "Yeah, so your programs are probably all going to be shut down because of COVID, and you know, you're really great." And then again, wah, 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 <laughs> please pack your things and go. <laughs> right. So the why um, is a lot to the why. Um, I loved my dad. My dad passed in 2018. Mm-hmm. He was my hero. And I wanted to do something where I could talk about my experience as a father, what it was like to have a father. Because the more I talked to people, it was like, your dad was there? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but there, were, it, it seems like there are a lot of men who didn't have that and they want to know what was that like. And then there were others who feel like they're mutants like me. Oh, wait, your dad was around too? <laughs> what was it like? Yo, remember that time? So we, we commiserate in that way. Yeah. Um. But in the 20 years of doing interviews with all these artists, the one thing that they all seemed to really want to talk about, but there wasn't really an outlet for it, was being a dad. Mm. Like, artists would show up to the office with their kids to do interviews. I love that. And they'd be like, this is the coolest thing. I think I think even one interview I did with Saigon, his daughter was on his lap the whole time because mm-hmm. she wouldn't let him put her down. And then another time, Rockness came to talk about Sean Price and he had his, he had Raquel with him. <laughs> um, you know, and it was just happening more and more. I was like, you know what? I don't know if it's the age that they're just getting older or they're just more comfortable because before artists were really protective of mm-hmm. their kids. Like they wouldn't let you, they didn't want you they to know they had kids. They, they didn't say they had a wife or a girlfriend. Either. You are hiding a child. Like that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was the MO for, for hip hop. Like you like, this guy, how many kids? Yeah. You didn't talk about having kids and who they were, but now like over the last, you know, I don't know who to credit with, you know, credit, um, Vlad or not Vlad. Um, Jay-Z or um, mm. Khaled, not Khaled, not Khaled, you know, with Assad. Like, everybody's cool now. It's okay to talk about your kids. Show off you your know. babies. And Show off your babies. Show off with the babies and shit. <laughs> right. So it it gave me, you know, the inspiration to say, you know what, let me go back to those guys and say, hey, you know, would you like to have a conversation just about your kid, you know, as opposed to just having to talk about music all the time? And Ninety percent of them are like, yeah, hell yeah. We, we still it. find ways to tie into music, you know, when it's when it's relevant. But for the most part, like I, my, one of my most recent episodes was with Steel from Smith and Wesson, and I interviewed him back in like nineteen ninety eight when his first when his son was born, and it was a footnote in the article. 
you know, he talked about, yeah, my son, I just had a kid and I got to go do this and do that. And then we just moved on to the music talk. Mm -hmm. But now we got to go full fledged. Now he's a grown 20 something year old man (laughs) talking about that experience. And then him talking about repairing his relationship with his father and like how bringing his son to see his father made him realize his father was a monster like his father was you know alcoholic abusive and you know he didn't have much of a relationship and but when he brought his son to meet him he saw his father hold his son he was like okay this dude isn't the monster i thought he was because i never saw that side of him right there was a tenderness he had with his grandson that he didn't have with him and that's just a recurring theme i'm seeing a lot of these i'm up to episode 30 and you see a lot of these a lot of these men you know, just didn't get to have the relationship with the father they wanted. But when they had their own kid, the father was like, oh, let me embrace this. Let me get reacquainted. And like it's the good, but it's also are, are, are a second chance. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and, and sometimes they've had other kids. Like my first guest was Fonte and he was like, you know, I feel I felt jealous a little bit of my of my younger siblings because they got a different dad than I got. Same. You know, the, that's pretty much the, it. Yeah. Like I got yeah, a completely different version than what yep. they had. And I, yep. I lost my dad last year. And oh, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, mm. yeah, it it was just weird. Like their their relationship with him is mm. leaps and bounds different than mm. the relationship I had. And I, yep. you know, I never got jealous, but it was just kind of like, damn, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> my God, like, I why could not? I, I would have enjoyed some of this. <laughs> right. Right, stability, affection. What? Uh, oh, just you being know, around. Presence? Oh, that was nice. Good for them. Oh, y'all going to ball games? Oh, <laughs> right, right. So it's been quite a journey. Um, talking to like just getting men to open up, just getting men to open up. Period. I love that. And then opening up about their kids, and then it, obviously we get into relationship discussions more and more because how can you talk about raising kids without talking about the woman that you're raising the kids with or or had the kids with so that's been an unexpected offshoot of the conversation you know (laughs) because the kids remain under a variety of circumstances (laughs) (laughs) a variety of circumstances planned and unplanned you know (laughs) so you gotta do what you gotta do (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. I love that that um you know that you put like you're providing a, a a platform for like you know like a lot of these cats you know they hardcore you know rappers you know what I'm saying they hard yeah. body you know what I'm saying and they had this whole persona where they were just these hard rocks and and yeah. then you get them sitting and talking about their babies and it's just like a whole damn <sighs> breaks you totally know? they have them wrapped around their finger like i love it i'm um, the rock nest monster but then you see the picture of him with raquel at the pool with the with the water wings on and it's like who is this guy he's like, like a completely um, I'm different sorry person. your name is steel <laughs> right 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 exactly it was you <laughs> right so you you were the guy on the internet with the the rocket launcher you know right. I, like, royce was one of my guests and it's like you know, this super hardcore Detroit dude is like, but when it comes to his kids, it's a whole different ballgame. I love that. I love it, though. I love and it. And I love that there's, you know, like now that we've reached a certain place in hip hop where cats could do this. You know what I mean? Yes. Because there was a point where it's like, oh, he's got children that he loves. Get him out of here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's claiming them. 
And not only is he claiming them, he He's likes saying them. nice things about the baby moms. Get them out of here. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, my God. That's been one of the crazy things because dudes legit regret saying things about the baby moms on record because now the kids are old enough. And they can hear that shit. And they hear it. And I've heard on several, yo, why did you say that about my mom? Mm. And why did you say it on a record that's now for everyone to hear? And that shit is history, guy. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're old enough now to confront that. And it's interesting to see the men, the artists reckon with that decision. And right. You know, one artist, Superstition, says he won't re-release his debut album. He won't reissue it because there's a song on it where he just goes off on his child's mother. And he's like, I totally regret that. Um, It's crazy, but it's good to see that them grow and acknowledge that at least. That that was not. Yeah. Yeah, You know, that's that you can have hindsight over the the fucked up shit that you did and (laughs) try to rectify that shit. Yeah. it's a major key and it's it's a major growth. Yeah. You know? Interesting in the new episode, I kind of sparred with 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 Rhymefest a little bit because he also he subscribes to this notion that kids make you better. But then I I push back a little bit. I'm like, but what happens if you don't have kids or choose not to have kids? Are you right. supposed to just be emotionally stunted? Like, he's like, yeah, life. kids make you better. And you, he said particularly the daughters. And I'm just like, but what happens if I don't have a daughter? So I'm just supposed to be so a fuckboy. You, 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 you needed a daughter to make you see women as human people? Or? Right, right. So I said, so what happens to the people that never have kids or choose not to have kids or right. don't have daughters? I guess it's they wrote you forever. Okay. Right. Cool. <laughs> he was like, you know, you make a good point there. Because <laughs> some dudes really feel like, oh my God, my daughter, she came and just changed my life and I got a whole different view and perspective. You really like, shouldn't have taken that. Oh, but, should uh, not have taken you having a daughter (laughs) (laughs) exactly so i'm hoping that we start to to evolve from that thinking just a little bit that like okay the ladies would like it (laughs) i don't have children either but like i'm not uh you know like all men are garbage monsters right right i mean that's a good amount but like you know (laughs) We're pretty trash. I'm sorry. You know, a lot are. of cats are not repping the brand very well. Like nah. the stock is dropping, but <laughs> we're not. Shit that is plentiful and of low value. But, <laughs> however, yeah, I'm not gonna actually be like I'm not casting everybody off. I'd be well within my rights to, but I'm not fully. But- I, I see it to a degree because I love my daughter. Sabrina is amazing. And I and cannot get over how big everybody is. How dare you? Yes. How yes. dare you make me feel old? Well, I know. Oh, middle school. I, I feel like y'all just had her. Yeah. I, I feel that way. Trust. Think, how do you think <laughs> I feel? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's not, I can't say, okay, she made me better, but she definitely reinforced some things I already thought and made me think about things differently and I'm like right. okay but not to the point where it was like it took her being born for me to know, you know what's right what's wrong right right okay so my second question how did you get started mm. in your industry why so <laughs> um I started I was I went to Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut, and while I was there, I was the editor of a student of color magazine called The Ankh, 
And that was my first experience. So 90s. I love it. So 90s. So, well, Ankh was founded, I think, in the 80s. But yes, very, you know, 90s black collegiate. (laughs) <laughs> power to lots the of people. medallions lots of scarabs yeah 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 <laughs> so i was i was a, i was the teacher's assistant and editor of that magazine and that was like my first experience with um writing and editing and i was like i want to do this but i also wanted to teach so right out of college i was a first grade teacher um at a pilot and then a pilot elementary school called saint phillips academy and I was a first grade teacher. I loved the kids. I hated the parents. So mm-hmm. <laughs> by the by the spring of that year, one of my fraternity brothers, Smokey Fontaine, he was um, running a magazine called Trace that was based in the UK. Oh, and I expressed mm-hmm, and I expressed to him that, you know, I I've done some reviews for the Ankh, whatever. I want to do some entertainment music stuff. And while I was on spring break from teaching, <laughs> He said, well, there's this guy I want you to go interview at the Shark Bar. Um, his name is Tracy Lee. Um, he got this song out. Da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, I know the song. So his album's coming out. And this is, you know, Biggie had just died. Um, Hip hop was just like in a really different place. Mm-hmm. So I went to the Shark Bar, interviewed Tracy Lee. We had a great time. Shout out to him. Um and we were making drinks. He showed me this drink called a Smackdown that was like Hennessy, Ooh, Bailey's, and Grand Marier. Oh, what? And we were, it was crazy. We <laughs> were drinking that, and I left, and I didn't get paid for that. This was back in the days of wow. when you, when you, <laughs> you wrote on spec, and it was like, okay. He, he At least he told me up front, because some editors, they told you they were going to pay you and just never paid you. Right. He said straight up, listen, I got no budget, but if you want to get some experience... You know, I'm like, fine. So I'm like, wait, I could actually make it writing? (laughs) (laughs) So I said, sign me up. So after, you know, that spring break interview, I went back to the school and said, you know what? I'm I'm done. I said, after after this year, I'm going to go try and see if I can make this entertainment writer thing happen. So I then... If I'm remembering, I don't want to misremember a good, my best friend um, at the time was, my, my best friend who was dating a woman at the time who had a connection at a magazine called Beatdown based out in Long Island City. Beatdown. And yeah. <laughs> so they were looking for writers and they were like, well, yeah, we can give you a stipend, blah, 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 blah. So I'm cranking out stories for them. And when it comes time to get paid, it's like, Mm. Oh, yeah, everybody short-term memory loss. So mm. I'm like, all right. But at the t- but I didn't stress that much because now I had clips. Mm. Now back in the 90s, it was pre-blog, pre, you know, medium post to show an editor that you had writing that you could write, you had to right. show you were published somewhere. You had, a you had to have clips. Work. Right. So those clips were actually still valuable, though I didn't get paid. Took them to Smokey who was now at the source mm. and said, "Hey, you know that that assist you gave me a while back. I took that and I did. I ran. I ran with it, and this is what I did with it. And he's like, "Oh, you've actually been working. All right, I got something for you. I want you to go interview this dude. His name is Eminem. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's this white dude from Detroit, and he's got this song that just came out at MTV. I want you to go to the label office and interview him for this mic check. 
Word? Okay, bad. So that was just, and then from there it was just fantastic. Know, yeah, yeah. So that's that's that. the quick, the short version of how I got started. Well, that hustle. is a way to start. <laughs> Little connection and hustle combination. I mean, you know, everybody else is doing it, and luckily for you, you had the connections and the talent because some people yeah. just have the connections. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, it's it luck. You know, it, what's the what's the adage says that um, luck is preparation meeting opportunity that was that was pretty much it right on that was it so for my third question mm-hmm. what do you hope to achieve for your career like what is the final form that you'd like your career to take oh my god the final form we're talking about like pokemon right now um <laughs> i've been giving that a lot of thought because i've been doing this for so long mm-hmm. um and be and quite frankly writing right now by itself is a hard field to be in. Publishing in general is fucked. Yeah. yeah Digital I mean, publishing is fucked. I mean, what the VCs <laughs> have done to, to, to media across the board and just taking the teeth out of it and like the lack of care a lot of places are taking with writers and like everybody racing to be first and all that bullshit. It's, it's a very hard field to be in. And Entertainment in particular is taking on such a different face because social media has definitely made it harder. You know, you're going in to interview people and half their story has already been on Twitter or Instagram, right? And then the other half, you're fighting with not just the before, you're not just fighting with the hip hop websites or publications. The mainstream wants all those people too. And Mm. if you're covering black entertainment in particular, <clears throat> you're always going to come in second to variety in the Hollywood reporter. Right. And, you know, you want to, even at, even at BET, I thought, okay, I'm at BET. This is the biggest black, you know, media company. I sh- access should not be a problem. Yeah. Wrong. Damn. Charlie Murphy. Wrong. You know what I'm saying? It's true. I noticed that about, you know, there was like a whole discussion around access to black celebrities on red carpets and things like that, where, you know, depending on who the celebrity was, they would make the time to talk to people, you know, because they always try to skate them past. So real because a lot of them, a lot of, because it'd be a black artist and a black outlet, but then there's a white publicist in between that. Mm. who basically is like no we we need you down with them at the end of the line so we would get i stopped doing the red carpets because of that um it was too frustrating i used to do like you still have to have a story like if you like what are you supposed to do if they blocking you from getting to the story and you don't want to be that one that some people would start yelling at the artists. And, don't look over, look the black press. And I can't, I can't fault them for being that bold because that's you just flew to California for five hours to stand on this carpet for two hours. And you're waiting for this person to show up in your heels or your suit or what have you. And you're at the end of this line and you're praying that you get literally 30 seconds with them. Yeah. Your whole job depends on you getting that sound bite. And or at least get getting that... into that that press room to right. ask the question after whatever happens on stage or whatever. And hope they call on you. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and fighting that fight constantly gets hard. So I guess for me, I want to focus on building, keep building my own platform where I can do what I want right. and 
the beauty of what of, of doing the podcast is that it's been my Rolodex. You know, it's just people that I've known, and it's all for me. And they all feel, you know, like yo, anything for you, Jay. And I love I love hearing that. So I want to see if I can make some money from it somehow. But that's not the goal right now. You know what I'm saying? The goal is to just create a great podcast that I can get more people to listen to, as many people as possible, and see where it goes. That's that's as honest as I can be because, um, you know, luckily I have Patreons. Shout out to y'all. I have Patreon fathers who bother folks are helping me pay the basic bills. Yeah. So, you know, the, all the all the costs that come with podcasts and people don't realize there's the hosting. You got to pay SoundCloud. You got to, you know, for the mics. For the for for when you make those cool clips on Canva to pay, you know, when you want to get them captioned, you got to pay for the captioning. There's all these little hidden costs that add up. That you with, don't um, think about, like it just never occurs to you. Like I'm, this is very early stage for me. This is I'm recording my fifteenth mm-hmm. um, episode today, and it's just kind of like I haven't even let myself go over until like well, we're putting clips on stuff. How y'all do that? You know, like I. <laughs> like i'm still building my website i'm like i have my um i have an ig page that i'm like right came out today guys yeah every episode that drops i gotta post it on my twitter the account twitter my instagram the account instagram luckily for me my account and and the show's name is exactly the same so it works out (laughs) so i don't gotta do that extra but boy right like I'd be right. getting up, like you know, I you know, you 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 embargo it, you put it up or whatever, and you'd be like, oh snap, right. just drop, let me let me run over here and put this stuff right. up. But like, yeah, you don't really I never I have not considered all the other stuff around it, you know, like so much. Had not. When I did, started to do this, it was just kind of like a therapeutic thing for me to do. It wasn't yeah. really like if if I decide to try to monetize it at some point, I guess, but like right now it's just like I'm just trying to get through the recordings, guys. <laughs> <laughs> People don't realize that. Like, the, for me, when you have guests, there's, there's the scheduling of the mm-hmm. of the of the interviews, mm-hmm. the recording of the interview. Mm-hmm. Then you got to edit the interview. Mm-hmm. You got to upload the interview. Then you got to socialize it. There's a lot of work. And BET, there was a different team to do each of those things. And I'm jealous. Like, of I had those to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we had oh no the social team does that oh and then this team does that and then within the social team there's the youtube person they do that like i'm literally doing the job of eight people right now Ooh-wee. but um and you have else? like a better uh knowledge of what all is supposed to be do- going right. on around this that i right. do not have <laughs> it's it's fine <laughs> yeah it's fine. like i can't yeah. even imagine like if I was trying to do some shit where it was like, I'm trying to make it as large as like a read or, or mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. one of the other well-known whatevers. And right. I just can't, I, I I can't imagine it. But now it's like, oh, well, I'm on a schedule. Clap for me. <laughs> <laughs> Schedules are important. That's what I'm trying. Since I started migrating to YouTube, the one thing I know is the algorithm favors consistency. Mm. So the, the even if you don't post every day, if you post at the same time every week, mm-hmm. you know, it's better for you than if you just randomly post once now and then once again in two weeks and then again right. next month. They're going to be like, you, you're not you're serious. You're not serious. <laughs> so if they know that, oh, this channel has been publishing consistently, you know, they might favor, you know. Yeah. But it's still a game. A lot of it is so many games 
like how many people you can get to like and comment within that first day, mm-hmm. like or that first hour. Mm-hmm. If they don't see a certain number of people are liking, viewing, or clicking within that first hour, the algorithm just ignores you because there's literally a million other pages that they're everybody's doing on. it. Everybody's, everybody's doing, doing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> no more podcasts. Let me stop. Let me. T- <laughs> you can close the door. But what else? Right. <laughs> Stop the count. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I had put off doing my podcast for years because because originally it was going to be called Diary of a Mad Black Daddy, from the Little <laughs> Brother song. And that's why Fonte was the first guest, because um, this is an idea I had from way before. Um, but I kept thinking, ah, oh, the world doesn't need another podcast. The world doesn't need another podcast. That's what I was thinking as well. I was like, there's, there's no lack of content. There's no lack of people doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Like, right. what could I bring to the discourse? But, people but then you realize you start doing it. And you, you know what? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm different. Yeah. I'm different. It is a lot. There's a lot more fatherhood podcasts than I knew, than I realized. And I didn't start finding them until I started mine. And they found me like, oh, hey, Jay Barrow, why don't you come on our show and da, 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 talk about yours? And I was like, I didn't realize these, there were this many out there. Um, yeah, yeah. But I still feel like what I do is unique. Yeah. And it's not a knock on anybody else's at all. I I, I talk like shout out to Fatherhood's pod. Um, you know, dad is not a noun. There's a lot of pods out there that are doing great things, but I don't feel like, okay, we're competing because yeah, there's, a, there's room at the table for everybody. Everybody can eat. Yeah. And that's the problem. I was talking yeah. about that very thing with one of my guests. I think it was um, Chef Santana um, mm. Caress Benitez. And we were talking about how, you know, especially with black folks, we operate from a, pl- a place of lack where we right. think that you got to be the one everybody else can't be right. in with you. And that's bullshit. Right. Like it's we not all out here. We should not all be out here fighting for crumbs. Like there's literally, we deserve to have a lot of choices. Yeah, being amongst those choices is a good thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be some big. Oh well, mine is better than yours, and you you can't. Right. Think of it. We're not rappers. Like this is right. this is a fucking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is it's a platform that has space <clears throat> on it for everybody, and everybody has a voice that you know somebody's gonna be like, yes you talking my shit right now you know what i mean it was crazy i remember the magazine wars because the source and double so were at each other's throats <laughs> like literally battling in the editorial sections but the fans didn't give they bought all of them we, I, we didn't no know. one never well maybe somebody i won't say never but most people i knew they bought the source double XL and vibe they didn't yeah. just buy one right because we had <laughs> options and we enjoyed having the options right so the whole but like the I whole, bought honey and I bought essence. You know what I'm saying? But now there's just so many blogs and blog spots and yeah. There's no lack <laughs> of options. <laughs> no lack of options. I wouldn't mind so much if they were like if it was more original yeah. writing, like Passion of the Weiss, Jeff Weiss blog, you know. Um where you know all the reviews are original, all the writing. But what, what what I feel like has messed the game up is that everybody's just kind of regurgitating. You have the blogs where all they're doing is rewriting TMZ mm-hmm. with their with their snarky little voice. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like we really, like BuzzFeed where they're just stealing people's tweets and just <laughs> right. it's like making a listicle of people's tweets and not really telling people they finna do it or anything. which is where we which is how we ended arrived at the whole content thing. You mm-hmm. know because. You're not writing, you're not 
doing journalism. You're not out there doing research. You're just aggregating. Mm-hmm. And instead of just saying you're an aggregator, you had to say, well, I'm an aggregator with style. So we're going to call this. What do you do? Well, I create content. No, you take other content and repackage it. And you Literally. have an audience that likes your version of the content. Literally. Just say that. Like people just, will find out years later that they've had a tweet in a freaking in a freaking BuzzFeed article that they ain't even know. <laughs> right. Right. So that the aggregation made it really hard. And the aggregation and it, and, and I blame um what's what's the 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 tool, the blogging tool. I'm having a senior moment. <laughs> WordPress. Oh, I blame <laughs> WordPress basically leveled the playing field to the point where everybody could just create a news blog. That's but true. all they were doing was taking news from other people mm-hmm. and putting it like in literally their space. like a paragraph and then a link to a other <laughs> I be feeling hoodwinked when I open them shits and I see that shit. Right. I'm like, right. this is not an article. Fuck y'all. And I just <laughs> click the link off rip and not even bother. Because <laughs> I'm so annoyed that you wasted my time this way. <laughs> right. And, and the then you're competing. Trickle into like the, uh, you know, top tier uh, type um, media outfits, like your, your, your Washington Post and your um, New York mm-hmm. Times. Like they're so busy trying to keep up with what the youngs are doing they're kind of doing whack-ass shit too and letting people say dumb shit yeah so they can get them yep. and it's annoying because it's like I expect because better op-eds 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 move that stuff they, but they have a boss who's telling they have a number to hit mm-hmm. you know their boss is telling them you have a metric to hit what's your year over year traffic and they look at the they look at the the sheet and they say well the top story from this week was kim kardashian sneezing so <laughs> then you get 10 more articles about kim kardashian sneezing and, and how, that's how we how got our butt has managed are. not to fall off while she did it you know like that. <laughs> and we're like are you for real right now like you like like some of the stuff like the end up on the op-ed pages you'd be like yeah for real like you let this happen oh right. you're letting any old body it's like it's like skating everybody's skating in <laughs> To the gray lady it's beyond skating they start in their own org and end skating it's it's skating plus you know skate it'd be one thing if they were just trying to skate into your org but they're creating their whole own fake organizations that claim to be one thing and it's all propped up by somebody else's rituals it's somebody like they else's took, money right somebody else's money somebody else's rituals somebody else's oh, whole history book like they took pages out of your history book my they history book their history book them together. and smashed them together and said i made a whole new org and we're like so no it's you beyond, didn't <laughs> so it's a whole it's beyond skating it's 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 oh, it's, it's uber it's like uber bullshit like right it's amazing and it's 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 done us all a disservice to be honest like there are amazing writers out here who are not getting on unless right. it's some shit that they can exploit yeah. to, to get them rage clicks off or like to piss somebody off because like the whole thing of changing the um title of an article like they might have yeah. written one thing but they yeah. get that good clickbait title off and people be like what because you know don't nobody read that shit <laughs> and it's sometimes not even the article title the title in the article is to tweet to promote the article True. that True. tweet has whole other wording designed to make you click through mm-hmm. and you're ang- and sometimes well a lot of times you don't click through mm-hmm. so the poor author is getting rage from right. people because of the tweet language yeah and then you actually click through to the article and it's like oh 
I was like, reading is fundamental, guys. If you actually (laughs) click through, you would know they did not say that shit. (laughs) Right, right. But they've already got your engagement. It's too late. And it's days, days long dog piles on them. And in the same outfit, they're like, (laughs) we hit our number. That's all All I care about. Like, click is a click is a click. We got what we needed. Good luck, bitch. <laughs> so during the town hall, they can put the PowerPoint slide and say, here in February, we had this spike in traffic because yes, we ran with the Negroes for, <laughs> for Black History Month. <laughs> yup. Exactly. Ex- you, you nailed it. You so nailed it. And that's all they care about. It's, it's true. And it shows. We know it. <laughs> we just know it. Some of us are like, what we just going to do, we're going to do. <laughs> right. And it's like it's also kind of like feeding like a um like a a whole kind of industry around that. Like this guy who always responds to the to the to the you know the the snarky bullshit tweet and then they build out like a 40 fucking thread fucking <laughs> thread on it and then they then they go over and take that same thread to medium and then do some of it and it's a 17 minute read and I'm like fuck you <laughs> I've gotten articles submitted to me that were uh, opinion pieces filled with half the t- half the article with somebody else's tweets. I'm just like, well, shouldn't real. I just hire them to write this piece instead? Right. Of, like, why would I? Go, why would I bring you in? Right, your opinion on all these other tweets. That's what you. It's I'm like paying somebody you coming to me with somebody else's resume talking about hiring me. <laughs> I'm like, but you're a security guard and you came in here, <laughs> a psychiatrist, motherfucking. You know, right. this ain't even you. <laughs> right. Right. I'm talking to you for. <laughs> and there it is. Oh, it's so So, so oh. yeah, I just want to be able to tell stories and feed my kids. That's that. the, that's my end game. Any way that I can. People in college, people about to go to college. And none of that stuff gets any cheaper. <laughs> at all. God bless my son for being smart and being, you know, connect because he's got a free ride at college now well done so good job everybody <sighs> that was just like you want to talk about because we we paid a lot of money for that for that elementary and high school boy so talk but, about uh uh freaking um return on investment <laughs> amen exactly so shout out to justin we love you shout boy. out to justin <laughs> okay so my next question. Yes. What advice would you give someone who is interested in the work that you do or getting into your industry? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, I know that there's some people who are gonna who feel really passionate about being journalists, so I won't completely crush their dreams. <laughs> um you have to be prepared to wear many many hats it's not the days of you just writing an article and that being the end of it are long gone and that was part of my twitter rant the other day is like they they when they hire you whether it's a book publisher magazine publisher editor i mean digital they're just not interested in your work they're interested in your ability to promote your work what's your reach how many people do you know how many followers do you have um so as great a writer as you might be, be prepared to build an ecosystem of people that you can promote your work to, because that's going to be as valuable as the work you do. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's not, I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. I'm like, if I was making music 
you know, I should, I would hope I have an audience to sell my music to. That's the goal of any capitalist enterprise. But as a, if you, if you're going to go into entertainment journalism and specifically be prepared to cover multiple things, um, starting out, at least starting out, um, be prepared to write about music and movies and sports because you want to be able to fit in in different places and then also figure out what which beat you really want to get into mm-hmm. um if you are passionate about just music or just film there's nothing wrong with that but be a beast be be really thorough brand don't don't focus on one kind of music if mm. you're just going to talk about don't but don't just listen to hip-hop don't just write about hip-hop don't just write about um because the successful writers i'm seeing they can pivot Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the the black ones, they if they can write about um, hip hop and pop equally, mm-hmm. that's always more um, marketable than if you focus on just one type. Same thing with film, you know. It's no, there's nothing wrong with loving black film, but it helps if you watch, if you've everything. seen everything, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it's a good comparison, and you have a you have a space of um, analysis that's that's more complete so definitely you know get go outside that box if if that's what you want to do and is if you're a great writer learn to take pictures learn to shoot video um, because you may have to start out just doing everything yourself first you may not you know get hired right away because getting a staff job now is really hard and the folks that i know that are have achieve some level of success launching their own mediums um, channels you know you got to be comfortable in front of the camera and behind the camera as well as being able to write because when you set up your own website you're going to have words you're going to have pictures you're going to have video and you're going to have to be able to produce all of that unless you're prepared to pay someone else to do it (laughs) you know and initially (laughs) you're not going to be making enough money to pay somebody else so be prepared to do everything yourself I won't say you necessarily have to learn to code, but, you know, becoming comfortable with HTML to be able to go in and fix some shit is helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a coder by any stretch of the imagination, but working enough with WordPress over the years, I know when something's broken, you know, so I can go in and fix it at least on that level. Um, But yeah, if you want to get into journalism now, be prepared to wear a lot of hats and love what you're doing because there are going to be days you're going to say, this, this, this is not for me. Mm. So if you don't love it, <laughs> you're not going to keep, you're not going to stick with it. Major the only key. people, the only people left from my era who are still doing this are the people who really loved it. Mm. You know, because wow. you don't, don't, don't go into it be trying to become the story. That's all. Oh, if, if, if anything, anybody's listening to you, you're looking to start out. They're going to convince you that, you have to be the story in order for it to sell this whole first person uh, thing. You are not the story. Your, your job is to get the story and to get that per, if you're interviewing a person, your, your job is to tell their story. Right. And if it's a, and if it's a topic or if it's a, um, something that you're researching, your, your job is to get as much information to tell the most compelling story about that event as possible without interjecting your 
perspective or your bias or your experience to make it work. Because yeah. that's how a lot a lot of writers now they fall back on how did this song make me feel? How did this song and some do it well, some yeah. do an amazing job. Like like yo, um Y O H at um um he was DJ Booth, but I think it's Audio Mac now. He is amazing at finding these threads where it'll start, it'll be about one song, this outcast song, and he'll take you on this journey of how this song made, uh, weaved into his life and how it impacted him. And he's brilliant at that. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Not everybody can do that. Um, You want to be able to pick apart that song and find out as much about it, who, who produced it, who did the cover art, who did that's my favorite thing is oral histories you know when yeah. when when Those i can look when i can look back cuz when an album comes out most people aren't really going into the minutia of um the nuts and bolts how was the cover how was the cover photo shot how was the you know who was in the studio how did you get the guests what was the inspiration for this song you don't usually get all of that when it first comes out but in retrospect then now that you've had a chance to sit with it, you can look back and call everybody and say, hey, this song here, how did this happen? What made you want to do this here? And you get the best perspectives that way, looking back. Those are the, the best stories, really. Like when you mm-hmm. when you get to see how the sausage was made to create your favorite song, yep. that song that you couldn't stop playing for that period in time. It's, right. it's amazing because it's like you don't really think of all that goes into it or, right. you know, the inspiration right. or, you know, how things were made or like, you know, like I was talking um, to Zine yesterday, we were, we were watching something and um, uh, Makes You Wanna Holla came on. And I was mm. like, yo, I was like, cause you know, I have my little uh, useless information or whatever, but you know, that I can impress mm. my husband with because his pop culture <laughs> knowledge is not like mine. <laughs> So I'm like, you know, Motown didn't want him to release this album because they wasn't on some message music shit. They just wanted the white people to dance around to the shit that made them feel good. Right. They didn't, want, right. They didn't want that beef. They didn't want any smoke. And like the way that Marvin recorded all of that, the way he layered all those things, it was all just fucking legendary ass material. And they would have just let that shit sit on the shelf. Right. He was like, damn. Because whenever you hear Make Me Wanna Holla, it's always timely. Like, yes, it hits just the way you need it to hit every yep. time you hear it it's like yes i would like to throw up my hands <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to give up all this shit <laughs> word word but they they won't want to give that story out like say when the album first comes out because they feel it might take away right from the promotion of it or if he he can't tell you i hate my label at this moment but five years removed right he could look back and be like actually i didn't even want to put that out you know i didn't want to put that as the first single or this is what i had to go through to get that so fight that i had to have with the label so i could get to this place exactly it's really interesting stuff those are like my favorite stories like even like with television shows and things like that like you know um i was listening to the the office ladies podcast and they were just Mm. talking about all of the things around making specific episodes of the show because you know it had a resurgence because all the youngs found it i've been on that as an old <laughs> i watched it while it was airing mm. um, you had to be there you had to be there <laughs> right. and i'm still watching it every night before bed um and 
you know, it's just interesting to hear people who were there talking about, you know, how the sausage was made or how a scene was yeah. shot or was that, did that slap really connect and all that type of a thing. Particularly with movies, because you definitely can't, it's harder, it's even more important with movies because you can't give away how a movie ends when you're first promoting it, right? Right. I did a lot of interviews talking about, and when you're doing those junket interviews, you got four minutes to talk about the movie without giving anything away. Right. So now when you're a couple of years removed and everybody's seen it, you're not worrying about spoilers. Right. Now we can get into, so <laughs> at the end of the movie, when such and such took the shot, blah, 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 blah. So you can really get into it. Right. So research. <laughs> That's that. probably my, my last piece of advice is research, 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 because there's so much information on the internet. It is, um, it was, it's, it's a mile wide, but it's an inch deep. People only dig mm. the first two pages of mm -hmm. Google and there's so much other like, stuff you know, out there. There's 20 other pages. <laughs> right. There's so much information out there. There's no excuse for not knowing, not finding every interview that, that if you're interview, if you're interviewing Eddie Murphy, there are so many interviews out there and you can just go on YouTube and Google junket Eddie Murphy and you'll see this random video from the 48 hours junket that no one else has seen. And you're like, holy smoke. <laughs> you know, I, I literally did this recently for Entertainment Weekly. Um, Which was awesome, that, by the way. I love those pieces. They were great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, what movie was it? Was it <sighs> coming? Was it coming to America? Yes, it was coming. I did a, I wrote up a, a, a piece about coming to America and I literally went and looked for the junket interview from coming to America and was like, oh shit, I've never seen this before. And Eddie really talked about what inspired it, why he wanted to do it. And I was like, this is cool. But the video itself should have had 40 million views, but it had a fraction of that because oh, folks wow. don't, folks don't know be. to look for it. Right. They don't know what they're looking for, but it's all out there. Hmm. It's all out there. Amazing. Yeah. All righty. So last question. All right. Um, what was the worst job you've ever had? BET. <laughs> um, and that's not. <laughs> <laughs> no hesitation. No hesitation. Oh, and wow. I hate saying that because I was, I was at the source in this at the height of the Eminem beef. That was horrible. Oh, God. That was a horrible experience. But BT was harder because I'm older and I have a lower lower tolerance for shit. Yeah. And I could just see how there's so many talented people working there who are being not given the resources they need to do to do dope shit mm. and expected to make something out of nothing and it's so top heavy and you just see how the network itself is just a redheaded stepchild in the Viacom system. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're consistently expected to do double what MTV and Nickelodeon is doing with half the resources. So setting them up for failure, basically setting them up for failure. <laughs> you're like, well, we have to spin this off. It wasn't profitable. Right. Waka waka. <laughs> and 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 they're and they're and that is not a knock on. I mean, I'm trying to be because there are people who who work there who I don't who I think bust their ass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying yeah. every day, but the brand itself is what they call brand cuffed. The expectation 
for what BET is supposed to be varies depending on who you talk to. Mm. Oh, you've been around for so long. You shouldn't be doing this BET. And there, and there's so many different factions. So like the digital team is the most forward thinking team there, but then the linear TV team, mm. they got to bring in the ratings mm. and the two that, and they're trying, and then there's this, then there's the, the audience on social, the, the audience on Facebook, the BET Facebook is different from the, the TV audience. That's true. Who are also different from the YouTube audience, BET's mm. YouTube audience. Wow. And they're trying to serve all these masters right now. Yeah. And then trying to figure out what's their identity in this era when, you know, Variety is talking to Michael B. Jordan and and Lapita and everybody. Like not the and then, only game in town no more. You're not the only game in town. And then when you need to get the support from those artists, it's like, mm, no. Or if you do, and it's if, also or, the presentation too, right? Like, you know, for right. a long time, you know, VT didn't have the best rep. You know what I'm saying? So like, and especially it's because people like me who used to work there had horrible experiences. So that word gets around. Yeah. If after up. 20, 30 years of people working at a company and you talk to folks and and you say, so what was it like working at BT? And nine times out of 10, they're like, it was terrible. Yeah. That's going to get around. And that's a you shame know? because you feel bad. Because, and it's, this is something that's come up a lot in a lot of my interviews where people right. have, I mean, as you would, you, you're working at some place that is supposed to be about us, for us, run by right. us, run by mm-hmm. us. Right. And you you have higher expectations because it's us. And then yeah. when they don't meet them, it's like, oh, it's just gutting. It's such a it's such a, a shitty feeling when you want you want it to be great, but it's just not. Right. And, 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 and you had folks working there who weren't even on staff that were held to these staff expectations i had to be in the office at 9 a.m towards the end like when things first started it was fine but while i was there they went through three different vps Mm -mm. so that 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 right there tells you the problem one of the red flag like in the three years i was there i had three different bosses Mm -mm. so that alone tells you what i had every single one of them has their own shit that they're trying to get off exactly so and you're trying to adjust for what they want and then still trying to move your career along and get things done. And every time a new person comes in, they got to learn the fuck shit. <laughs> and, then, and then they realize, oh, this is what I signed up for. Yep. And, <laughs> and then you're sitting there like, OK, hopefully the next person has a better handle on this. And they don't. And the turnover. So nothing ever changes. Nothing ever gets better. That's a shame. And also, so, I'm certain because it's like those legacy type outfits. It's always somebody in there talking about, "Well, this this is the way we've always done it." it, it right, work, and it's not efficient, but we right. don't keep doing it because we've always done it this way. And there are so many people who are I've I watched them in meetings try to push certain ideas and and concepts out there and just have them squashed mm. or either they tell you no or they give you so little support for it that it doesn't even make sense. Damn. And then, but the things that work, they focus just on the stuff that works, just on the oh, 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 oh well, we don't have, we can't, we we're in this box. This is what's worked in the past. We're gonna stick with this, right? And I feel bad because I watch, I, I watch social media, um, and people rip BT. Why don't y'all have more original programming? Why don't y'all have to do that? But I when y'all I when have. they put out the original programming, y'all don't watch it. But the gag is, they've had original <laughs> program that I have actually watched, and then and it right. just goes away. Like, right, 
it was a show that I was like, this yo, this should be good. If they really nurture this shit, it could be popping. What was that show? I really liked it. It was Rebel, where the okay. girl was like a... I don't know, like a, she was a cop and like she was messing right. with Method Man in it. And um, I felt that way about the Robin Thede show. I, oh, I oh, loved her show. show. Great. I went to a taping. It was fantastic. I enjoyed it. But if they nurtured it, got it one season. Popping. It would have been popping. I was like, y'all don't like nice things. <laughs> <laughs> y'all don't like nice things. Like, and I don't be watching BT, which is a shame. We should be. Right. We don't, right. Because right. I don't enjoy it. I'm like, who is this for? It ain't for right. me. So, like, yeah, I watch the award shows and shit for the nostalgia or whatever out of habit. But, right. like, this stuff that and I'm... And that's the other with. issues. Like, they're dealing with this age thing. They're they're chasing the the, the, the millennials who are now becoming as old as <laughs> the old folks. They 40, the Millennials they, they and Gen kids. Z's is, is battling. The Gen Z's, you know, they have other options. They know BET. I don't even know what Gen Z's know BET for. Like, what know. is their entry point? Like, we still talk about 106 and Park and all right. those other shows. What is a Gen Beats Z or no BET for? Was it Beats from the Basement? Yeah, Beats? Rap City the Basement. Rap City right. the Basement. Oh, Rap God. City. So what is a Gen Z or no BET for? Because I ask my kids, do you watch BET? They're like, no. Yeah, Because they I don't know imagine. why they should, why they have to. Like, what what's on there for them that they can't get somewhere else? Yeah. If, I'm a bla- if I'm a black millennial, I'm watching Insecure on HBO. Yeah. Right. If I'm watching, or I'm watching Empire, or I'm, I have so many options. Yeah. So everywhere else, like you know, why aren't you in contention for those things? You know what right. I mean. And it, a lot of it comes down to money. They don't want to spend the money. I, when I first started at BET, um, the breaks was supposed to go from VH1 to BET. Oh. But BET was like, nah. And The Breaks was a good show. The Breaks was a great show. And I'm biased because it was my boy, Dan Charnis' um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the big brainchild. Thing mm-hmm. But I was all excited, like, oh, The Breaks is coming to BET. And BET just did nothing with it because I think they didn't want to spend the money that Which BET so was Which is so stupid. Spending. Like, people will follow it. If it's good, they'll follow it. Like, the hell? Like, we don't even need right. y'all for reruns. We can get all that on right. VH1. <laughs> But you know, Mr. Mr. Perry is their savior now because he can make high turn. He can make shows that get a lot of clicks, a lot of views at very low cost. That's been his formula for his whole career, and that's why you'll see umpteen Tyler Perry shows on BET moving forward because he makes the money. Less. <laughs> he'll he'll real he'll shoot a whole series in three days, and, and I wish I was. And, and it I looks every wish I was exaggerating. That, oh, I believe that, you. I mean, wasn't man's doing like a, a whole movie in like 12 days with like wigs falling off and shit in the background and, and motherfuckers leaving coffee cups and shit all wrong place? But somebody's <laughs> watching it. Like people, as bad as I thought the oval was, people watched it. I had to edit. I had to I did have out. BET Plus for a second and I did enjoy <laughs> that show that you can only get on BET Plus. I enjoyed uh-huh. the first Wives Club and I did enjoy bigger yeah. with the girl who bigger I, well i think they just got bigger be- from behind the paywall oh good the first season of bigger i think is now on bet proper okay but a lot of people love that love that bigger. was great first wise club yep I, I i got but, my week-long trial i blew through those shows and promptly shut that shit <laughs> fuck off but i was not gonna watch nothing the fuck else <laughs> oh my god so yeah, because how many was... times am i gonna s- scroll through tyler perry movies that i will not watch like, right. you know, shouts to him or whatever, but like, no, thank you. 
he's employing a lot of people, and I, I I can't knock the hustle. I can't knock the hustle, but, but baby, the I can't quality knock the hustle of the work. At all. The quality of the work, baby. Mm-mm. But there, yeah, there's a there's the there's a sweet spot where you can get a lot of people to watch something at low cost, and he's mastered it. Mm-hmm. Was was and, well, was Boomerang on BET? Yep. Boomerang, I like that. Um, I like that. Yeah, Boomerang. The twenties was on there. I didn't watch twenties. Yep. Okay. Yep. Twenties and Boomerang were are, are still. I believe I still. I did enjoy. Are. I did enjoy. I'm not gonna lie. I, I do watch BET. I did enjoy Boomerang. See. I did. I did enjoy that. But listen, just because I had a horrible experience working here doesn't mean you shouldn't support and watch. Oh, of course. I'm not, I'm not I mean, saying that. There's at so all. many people who've had that experience. <laughs> You're not the first person to tell me this at all. It's a shame. Like the rep is not. Mm-mm. But yeah. but like yeah, this stuff I'd be forgetting because I'm like, this is a good show. What's going on here? <laughs> right. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. But that's what it is. It's like this is a very good show. And the BT, yeah. it was BT that did the new edition story, right? Yep. They're great at those. Those music-based specials, the limited series, mm-hmm. fantastic. They, they did they did what they needed to do there. I'll give them right. that. They spent yeah. money. It looked like yeah. they spent money. And they actually were thoughtful about the casting and everything else. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that needs to be their lane. You know, make five million different versions of the of the um, Temptations movie. We'll watch. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It all need the guy story next. <laughs> it can't just be. It can't just be Lifetime, y'all. <laughs> there's the whole '90s waiting to be pillaged. Waiting right now, especially with the. I mean, it ain't just us that are nostalgic <laughs> for the '90s either. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. The youth seem to like it as well. <laughs> exactly. Or people turn their babies into fans. So who knows? We'll see what happens, yeah. I suppose. Well, that was my final question. You made it to the end. Hey. Yay! <laughs> oh, yay! Cool. <laughs> so thank you for having me. This oh has man, been it's fun. a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So where can the people find you and what are you working on? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JL Barrow. Um, same handle on both. Um, st- still working on Fathers Who Bother. Got some dope new episode with Rhymefest dropped today. Hey. And um, go check that out. I think the video on YouTube should have finished rendering by now. That's the other thing. The, the migrating over to YouTube has been an experience because an hour-long interview and video is different than an hour-long video and audio. Oh. The file, the MP3 is a tenth of the size of the video of the MP4. Oh. <laughs> the MP4 is like three gigabytes, uh-uh. four gigabytes. Yeah, I'm gonna stay audio. <laughs> so the podcast is up but the youtube video is just about rendering right now oh man but yeah definitely go check that out and um let me know what you think oh yay i absolutely will i actually started i started the podcast from the beginning so i was listening to the to the uh fonte episode yay that's the (laughs) best i tell everybody that's the best way just start from the beginning i always start from the beginning because i get fomo because i feel like i missed something so i always start from the beginning Yep, it's, there's and it's now great 30 you episodes. You get to hear the progression. Yep, so, like, 30 episodes. I'm, like, shout out to you, because you just started that last year, didn't you? Yep, Father's That's Day. impressive. That yep. is impressive, because I started this at the end of, like, October. But, like, mm. I started to, like, be diligent, like, mm. probably in the last few months. <laughs> like, yeah, I took a break for the, for the holidays to regroup for the second season and to also do interviews and stuff but yeah it's it's good 
Well, it's wonderful stuff. And um, I'm super happy we were able to do this. <laughs> Same. Thank you, Sans. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. So that was my discussion with the great Jerry Barrow. Um, it was wonderful to hear about his career tra- trajectory and his hopes for the future and all that great stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did. So now let's get in to these key takeaways. Key takeaway number one, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, guess the fuck what? That shit is a duck. And of course, I'm talking about our good friend, Governor Cuomo, in which he has a 10th accuser, this time with video. Um, apparently he was up in like Niagara Falls or something. Some um, some catastrophe befell a neighborhood or something like that. And I guess he went up there to um, take pictures and stand near people or whatever. So he went to this woman's house and like, she was there with her fam and her son or whatever. And man's dem was all over her, basically. And she was like, she felt gross. And he was kissing on her and gripping her up. And when he was leaving her house, he gave her the biggest smoocheroo without her permission and was gripping her up all grossly. And her son there was there and caught it all on video. So she came forward, I think, with Gloria Allred, uh, the... um lawyer of choice for those who want to make it hot for people and um told it all so of course which seems to be a pattern for him um you know he liked what he felt I guess when he gripped her up without her permission and did the thing where he's like oh you want to come to this event the the governor wants you to come to a function invited her alone not the husband not the son just her she was like yeah I'm not responding to that shit yuck So, yeah, number 10, that's why we got we now. (laughs) Also, also, in terms of things being what it is, these Georgia election laws, these hoes, these voter restriction shits, boy, uh, as per usual, because these people cannot win without lying, cheating, and stealing. Our good friend in Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp, the underwhelming shitbag who stole the governorship from Stacey Abrams and he also knows that Stacey is coming for her things in the next year or so and we gonna get the cheat pop it pop it so that's what the fuck they did so they put all these wide-ranging um restrictive things on decky for folks to vote because you know some people's votes are completely invalid And those votes are always Negro votes. So what did they do? They made it illegal to um, give people water while they made it harder for them to vote while they waited in line for 11 hours. So people were, you know, doing stuff like pulling up with ice cream trucks, pulling up, giving people water while they waited on them long ass lines to do what is legally their right to do. Um, They've made it in such a way where they can close down shit and get rid of um, the drop boxes. They... They did not touch souls to the polls because I guess that would have been too obvious and Sunday voting and shit like that. Um, They also didn't touch um, mail-in votes, you know, like I think, I think they, what they did do instead was get rid of no excuse 
um, voting. Like if you go to the wrong place and you vote, um, they now have the right to throw your votes out and make your whole shit invalid, which is trash on a cracker. But basically, of course, you know, everybody took those motherfuckers to court. They're going to be in court. I think like three organizations have taken their asses to court. I'm pretty certain that the um, Justice Department is going to jump in on all that shit, too. They've got like a raft of responses that they can have to this shit because they have an actual um, Justice Department now, not just like a a law firm extension for the dickhole in charge. Um, So... We'll see what happens. They're going to go to all the way, I'm sure. Um, of course, of course, because the courts were packed with people who will play ball and who are wildly unqualified for their positions. If they find a friendly judge, it might be a problem. And if it goes to the Supreme Court, it might be a problem because uh, the cat who basically un- unearthed this hellmouth of voter restrictions, post-Obama, of course, um is sitting up on the court. So that should be interesting. Um, It's funny how the response to any movement forward for people of color and black folks um, is always, always, always to tighten up the cheat. But the gag of it all is, in light of the fact that they did this shit before, they tightened up the cheat post-Obama, we just moved a different way. We just added more people. And as much as they like to try to play us to the left, we always, 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 always press these bitches and get them the fuck out of here. And that is what they will always be afraid of. Because who would vote for these motherfuckers? And the gag of it all is um, even their own people are perfectly fine with people being able to vote because they get caught up in this bullshit too. They fuck themselves when they try to do this shit. So they can't go to the public and be like... Voting rights are bad, guys, because everybody's like, no, they are good. And you should not wait 12 hours to fucking vote. You should not have certain neighborhoods get played to the left in terms of having what they need to make sure that everyone is franchised in this motherfucker. Um, It's not good and they can't get it the way they normally get it. So they go to the people they pay up at the Capitol and shit and be like, good. We calling in our chips, bitch. We put money on your shit. Uh, we billionaires would like to buy our elections, please. We'd like all of them. Please and thank you. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like shit is a little bit different. And maybe, maybe, maybe people will stop being pussy and they'll do what the fuck they supposed to do. It remains to be seen. Key takeaway number two. When you do clownery, sometimes the clown comes and kicks you in the nuts. Um, Sharon Osbourne is unemployed. Um, you know, she was a liability. Everybody came to snitch, just like I said last time, and she left. I'm certain she left with a bag. I am also certain that if Elaine Walteroff or, uh, my soror Cheryl Underwood had been wilding and making it hot for the people over at CBS to the point where they had to close the motherfucker down, neither of those girls would be leaving with a fucking bag. And you know that we all know that. So yeah, fuck her. Fuck the horse she rode in on. Uh, she can, you know, kick rocks. I don't give a fuck about her. And she is a toad. Um, yeah. And I think that's it for my key takeaways this week. And also that's it for this week's edition of mostly max and other things. 
I hope everyone is still getting to the vaccines. Um, folks are scared that there might be a spike. The people who would know about these types of things are worried and they should be because everybody is trying to open shit up like it's sweet and it still isn't. Um, everybody hasn't been fully vaccinated, so we don't have herd immunity. And for those of you who have been vaccinated, please don't act like it's popping, popping, because it's not. As I said last week, you can still catch this shit. You can still give this shit. Um, I keep finding about out about more and more people who have been exposed or who have had it and are still recuperating. And these long hauler stories about people who have had COVID in the early stage of this thing are fucking horrifying. So keep washing your motherfucking hands. Please keep wearing double up on the motherfucking masks and take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And I will talk to you next week. <laughs>